Welcome to another episode of the Talking Up Fitness Podcast. This is Ty, and today I have Christina Butter with me. Say hi, Christina. Hi, Ty. What's going on? It's great. Hi, right. Christina is a member at F45 Herricks. I wanted to talk to her today about her uh, personal journey in the athletic and wellness space. For those of us who don't know you that well, Christina, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, how you grew up, and um, anything that you want the audience to know? Absolutely. So let's let's start um, with the fact that I grew up on Long Island. Um, my family um, has all kind of been athletes, and I did not really start getting into sports seriously until my freshman year of high school. So I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to you know doing competitive sports. Okay, and it came from my father. Um, who played in the NFL for for about nine years. And so I've always been taught that sports gives you a ton of life lessons. You get to develop and mature with a team, and it, it, it gives you discipline and et cetera, et cetera. So um, I went from being a dancer on the dance team to my dad really pushing me into getting into something that would give me an opportunity for a scholarship in college. So I picked up lacrosse my freshman year. Um, I did. I was a three-sport athlete, so I did uh, field hockey, winter track, and, and lacrosse. Wow, busy. Yeah, it, it was. And then, you know, all the other extracurricular things you have to do in high school. But um, I – let me get into a little bit about my health journey. Yeah, whatever okay. you – yeah, whatever you want to share with us would be great. Cool. I – started to develop um, an eating disorder the summer going into my senior year. And in preparation of this podcast, I actually was trying to understand where it stemmed from. I still haven't to this day really figured out what, what in my life caused me to develop a mental illness. And for anyone listening to the podcast, uh, um, an eating disorder is a mental illness. I think there's a lot of confusion and misinterpretation of eating disorders right. where it's like, oh, girls just want to be skinny. And and that's not it at all. There, It's so many layers. And it's very similar to a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction. It's, it's a mental illness that takes years and years to fight and get back to a normal mental setting around food so I think what happened is being an athlete you naturally are a very competitive person anyone who's on the field fighting for a starting spot or um, lifting weights in the gym or conditioning like you want to be the best so I put a lot of pressure on myself and when I saw and and here's where my mind is going on what maybe kick-started this whole um, uh, disorder of my, my own, is when I was playing lacrosse, um, we were you know at the elite level, and we had a, a, a summer league, and we did the Empire State Games uh, up in Buffalo, which was really cool. And we were all going around checking each other's sounds silly, um, abs, to see who had a six-pack. And everyone points at me and is like, Buttle, you got to have a six-pack. 
I'm like, I and I don't, you know, how, like how old were you? Just so. Oh my gosh, context. I was. Let's see, junior year or sophomore year. So what am I like? Sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, sixteen, probably fifteen or sixteen. Okay. And I refused to pull my jersey up. I was like, no, no, you know, it's, I don't know. I just don't have one. And I'm like, now it's in my head. Why, why don't I? How come I'm Mm. part of this community of women athletes, well, girls at that time, right? And so I started to compete with myself around, okay, how much, how much weight can I drop so I can now feel as if like I'm, part of this muscular slash fit slash and and don't get me wrong if you looked at me you would not be like that girl's not in shape yeah um it just that one damn comment and that's what people have to understand is that sometimes we don't realize what we are telling someone or saying to someone the impact it has on them so i'm really big on coaching and helping people understand how to perceive body image and make sure like that the way we give someone a compliment, even a compliment sometimes can trigger something. Right. And so through that, um, this summer going into my senior year, I come back and it's now very obvious that I've dropped weight. Um, it's obvious in my athletic performance. Um, it's obvious to teachers and faculty. So now my parents are getting, you know, calls from the school. Right. And so now I know it's an issue because I'm caught, right? I can't hide this anymore. And um, did my performance drop in certain aspects? Yes. But I will say as an athlete, you're still working out. You're still fueling yourself in a way. Um, I probably was more on the spectrum of disordered eating than clinically diagnosed eating disorder. So okay. there's a difference in that too. Right. So uh, a lot of um, a lot of different things that I want to sort of unpack in what you shared. But first off, um, not enough people talk about this openly. So I appreciate you being upfront and having a voice that says that I've gone through this and this is how I am dealing and this is how I'm coping and this is how I'm getting better is I feel like it's so important. And that's, and that's ultimately why I feel like this is such an important conversation to have, not just between the two of us, but just having people understand that this is a thing, right? And a lot of people do not talk about it. They feel ashamed. They feel whatever it is that they feel, again, mentally, probably first. So it's important that we are addressing. Um, So I want to perhaps ask some uncomfortable questions, but also to allow you to tell the audience that this is something that you can overcome. This is something that you can address and to make your life and your, your physical body something that is something that works for you instead of against you. Okay, so that's the first thing. Um, so let's get into like just into the nitty details, right? So you spoke about um, getting into a sport, and then um, throughout during that time period, starting that um, mental 
uh, disorder. Why don't you dig a little bit about what you think might have been, obviously you said you don't know exactly, what do you feel like might have been the genesis to, to how that started for you? So I think it's important to also understand that um, food itself started to become um, – I started to become scared, I guess, then. Because once you drop weight, yeah. all of a sudden, you're like, I can do this. Like, if I just put my mind to it, I'm going to keep going. And so it becomes almost this this game of – How much? Yeah. And, and, and what else can I control? A lot of things are out of control. At that time, I was looking at colleges. Um, and, you know, needless to say, I, I did go on to be a Division One athlete. I, I played lacrosse at Penn State. Um, I could still compete. But the – the size of, of myself as a defender definitely inhibited me in terms of what I probably could have been in at the collegiate level. Right. Um, but things that, that start to become habit and then you get scared to move outside of that box that you've created for yourself. Mm. So um, pre and post game meals – you know, the I would look at teammates and I, I wouldn't understand how they could um, go to a tailgate after a game and be so comfortable around a buffet of everything you could imagine, right? And I hated tailgates. I hated them. I didn't know how to eat, what to eat, when I was full, um, uh you know, I, I didn't I had a lot of trouble deciphering between eating until I was satiated or eating until I was I felt sick. Right. So I don't know if that answers your question. I I, I meandered yeah. a little bit there. Yeah, so um I think you, you speak of like the struggles that um I, I, I hear a lot to and I'm not happy to to say that that's the case, but it is a struggle that I hear quite often. Um, in terms of like the the aspect that that you feel like uh, perpetuated that kind of it, it feels like that's kind of um, what you're trying to describe is how other others around you kind of maybe not helped you in in your disorder. But when you first started, like when you when someone started to first tell you like, hey, Christina. Like, are you okay? Do you remember, like, the first time that kind of clicked in your own mind? Like, him, maybe something is a little off here. Like, what? Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. So, high school, when it was first becoming an issue and it was very apparent, I knew I had a problem. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. So, that's important because, sorry to interrupt. Um, because I feel like, although, most people probably deep inside may know that there is something off. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't actually make themselves aware that there is an issue. So awareness is the number one. I, I've, again, in, in my opinion, that the first step that you that anyone has to undertake 
to to make change, right? Because if you're not aware, you don't you don't need you don't know you need to change. So for you specifically, so you were actually aware that something was off. What? Um, yes, but what what kind of tripped that? I I will explain further though yeah. from an awareness standpoint. You, st- I still didn't believe that this was like a big issue. Like I knew I I struggled internally and had challenges with when and how and what to eat Mm -hmm. but I was still eating so to me it was like why is everyone bothering me I'm Uh I'm still eating food I'm not anorexic you know and so at that age I wasn't even knowledgeable of eating disorders at that time right now why why would you be right right you're a teenager and and I will tell you my parents were not prepared I don't think any parents are prepared to help their child. And by the way, men deal with this too. This is this is not just a women issue. Of you know, how do I help my child get over this? And it's not sitting them down at dinner and forcing them to finish their plate. Like right. that that doesn't do anything, right. you know. Um, so going back to whether I was aware I had an issue, yes. Mm. But never thought that it was something that people should have been so concerned about. Because to me, I still eat. I might not be eating as much as I used to, but that's healthy, right? So that's it, what you were thinking. Oh in your yeah, mind. It's a, it's, yeah. I was sick in the head. <laughs> so, and I and I say that facetiously, you know, because yeah. um, looking back, it's like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Um. And I so. I'm going to fast forward to college where yeah. I knew that I was struggling with this and people around you don't really realize. And so it kind of feeds the, the flame of your disorder because then you become really embarrassed. I remember, um, as a person with disordered eating or diagnosed with an eating disorder, you, you tend to try and, um, you know, you have to kind of figure out a way that your body and your mind is able to eat without the anxiety and stress about it. So I had weird habitual things I would do with food. Um, I always had little snacks with me because I knew I'd be hungry all day, right? So I'm like, I got to make sure I have a granola bar or some almonds. They, they call me like the snack lady (laughs) I mean I always had and I would eat in tiny portions and tiny bites and it would be like oh look at Buttle she's eating like a little mouse you know and I'm like and then I didn't want to eat anymore in front of anybody because were were these acquaintances of yours were they friends or what what, oh these are like my friends for life and I don't even know if they know this you know they still they listen to this they're gonna be like ooh I didn't know that you know and I would never they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So I think, and and, and again, the um, the important thing I feel like maybe to take away is, um, although they they in, did not intentionally mean anything harmful, is because the way you received it in your current in in that mental state of yours, that that kind of perpetuated whatever condition that you were feeling, right? So, um, and I think to your point earlier is. It's important to kind of know the the cues and kind of be able to to sniff out p- 
potentially if a friend or a loved one is going through this. And then be, being more careful with the words that we choose because it does affect, it, it obviously does because all these years later, you still remember. A hundred percent. I remember every little comment yeah. during uh, dinner or, uh, oh, that, that's a lot of food for you. And then I'm like, is it? Oh, I'm embarrassed now. I should put some back. You know, and no one understands that they're doing anything wrong. Like you just said, no one's trying to exacerbate a, a mental mm. illness. It's just the more we make this public and talk about these things, like you said, the more everyone as a community can support people that are struggling with this. And there's a lot yeah. There's a lot of people that don't even realize, as you said, that they have, they have some kind of, um, uh, I don't want to say issue. It's the relationship with the relationship, food yes. is flawed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I, and I, and I, and I also happen to think that eating disorder with disordered eating is the, the hardest form of quote unquote addiction to fight. Because obviously there are, there are people who are addicted to other substances, alcohol, drugs. You can abstain and live from those things. You cannot uh, you cannot abstain from food and live. Exactly. So you have to eat. So it can't be like, um, you know, I won't go to a bar so I can make my life easier if I'm an alcoholic. You can't just go, I'm not going to eat food and I'll be okay. You won't be okay. You'll be dead. Right. It's a yeah. no choice. It's it's. Yeah. I have to figure out how to live with this. Yeah. And f and if food is your drug, it's your drug for life. And that's that's up to you and how you want to. Um. Have a better understanding of the deep rooted issues or things that have caused that. And yeah. this is a nice segue into me knowing that I needed to speak out in, in college. I myself researched um, an eating disorder uh, therapy group. So it was group therapy. And I remember my first day going, there was another Division One athlete in that group. And I felt so, um, I like I belonged. Like finally wow, there are people here at Penn State that are still competing at the Division I level dealing with the same, um, uh, you know, relationship with food that I was. Yeah, and one quick tangent. Were you shocked more or were you relieved more when you saw that other person? I feel probably more relieved mm. because um, I had known that eating disorders were were highly common in track and gymnastics. Those are two probably because it's it's it is about your physique and your weight and and all of that. So I probably would have been more shocked if I if there was an athlete there outside of those two sports. Gotcha. Yeah, and the reason why I ask is it, it speaks to your mental state at that time too. If you were completely unaware, you probably would have been more shocked that 
well, I'm I'm really not the only one, right? So, um, all right, cool. So, sorry for the tangent. Go ahead. No, it's a great, great, great question. I was never able to freely speak about my emotional roller coaster of being in this disorder. So, to be able to share just the struggles and why, why am I like this? How come, like, I just so wanted to get out of my own head about it and to hear other people going through the same, not the same, but very similar um, pieces of what, what I was feeling and sharing success stories. So what did you do this week that you feel proud of around your relationship with food? And so when you hear some of those things, it gives you a little bit more hope that there are people out here and in this community, in this little therapy group that will hear me out and help me. So I I did things with them outside of group therapy too, you know, and, and a big discovery of mine too, Ty, was, um, the correlation of food and alcohol. So when you're in college, you're drinking, you're drinking a lot. And, um, I realized that a lot of that parlayed into, okay, well, if I'm drinking tonight, I can't eat tonight or, um, if I'm going to, uh, be hung over the next day, your body is depleted of your salts, of your like, and, and those were my trigger points of, okay, now I'm not in control because my body is so much craving fats and salts and, um, grease. And, and that was so scary to me because now my, I don't feel the same I did two days ago. What do I do? And that was really hard for me. Now that I'm, you know, out of college, I have a daughter, like clearly your drinking habits and patterns change. And that's something that has really helped me have a much healthier and better outlook to um, each day that I can wake up and just say, like, I feel good today. And that mentally helps you then want to fuel your body with good food. Yeah. Do you, so it's something that you've obviously been dealing with for many decades now. Um, like the, it sounds like the therapy, the group, just being able to speak to people that in, in like-minded or even similar shoes as yours has helped in, in this journey of yours. Um, so number one, do you continue to seek out this help or um or have you replaced it with something else that's that works for you and then second is um and i always want to provide some sort of tactical helpful um you know tips for the audience if if someone's listening to this right um uh, what do you what do you recommend they do to at least step one like what would be your recommendation for them if they're going through this right now step one would be therapy you there needs to be an outlet you can't just 
go through this alone and think that you are going to fix yourself. It's just not going to happen. Therapy can at least help you understand why you're doing this to yourself and be able to kind of step out of your little comfort zone and world and push you to try new things within your routine. So it's, it's baby steps. It's like, okay, I don't, let's, let's just say, I'm going to just make up a scenario. I don't eat breakfast because I don't want to start my food intake until noon, right? You have this intermittent fasting trend, which is not good for people who've had eating disorders. Um, okay, so how about you wake up and let's just add just some calories to the morning. And you have to get comfortable just doing like one thing at a time that you t- normally wouldn't do. And then when you realize and recognize that it's okay, nothing's changed. I'm still the same person. I ate this and that then builds you the confidence to then change another habit. And that's kind of what, what I used to do um, to gain clarity and trust in myself that I could, I could fuel myself and not feel guilty or anxious around it. The other thing I would say is sometimes you don't realize that food is your crutch to anxiety, to stress, Um, I ended up going on an anti-anxiety medication and I had no idea that there was an answer to why I am so high strong and so type A and everything has to be perfect and um, how many things can I get done in a day to optimize every single minute and that are you you're like I know exactly what you mean (laughs) so just a change in helping my brain function at a lower level and feel normal for once all of a sudden the food naturally kind of moves into your life with less yeah so when when you and I, Christina stopped and smiled because I was just, yeah, that's exactly me too. So I use food still. And um, even for myself, right, I, I, I've dealt with weight issues most of my life. So I know a little bit of what you're speaking to in terms of using food not as the intended mechanism, right? We need food as calories to survive. It was never meant that we could eat away our sorrows or eat away our anxiety. But luckily for us, we're in the world now, we have that option to do so. Um, But I think too many of us, we do resort to that too often than than just to use food as fuel, like you said. Like, so it, it needs to be a reset of that relationship and a reset of that mindset of how how we even feel like the things that we are putting into our bodies, right? And um, so with that, like in terms of setting the the mindset of being okay to go to therapy or just seek help of some sort, um, when you personally seek 
that group therapy when you started to speak to people about your own personal uh, issues and your personal uh, problems at that time? Uh, improvement and then continued improvement or what, what happened after that initial like change in like, oh, this is probably good for me? I was just talking to a friend about this, actually. And it's, you know, some people need therapy for the rest of their lives. And that's okay, that, right? Yeah. And, and that keeps them on track. It keeps them sane. It, it is their check-in, either weekly, bi-weekly. I, on the other hand, also am supportive of seek therapy until you feel as if we're, 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 we're talked out, right? Like there's, there's really no more aha moments or um, areas in your life that you feel out of control. So I go back and forth with it. Um, when it's I, not like it's soft, like it's a snappy. No, no. If, if I am like I'm stepping, I'm, I'm moving backwards into bad habits or I know – hey, here is something that is triggering me. I'll go and make sure I get my therapy appointment. And I'll keep that until I feel like, okay, I conquered it. This this therapist helped me figure out how to move through life with this problem or this anxiety that I was having. Yeah. And, and so just to push back a little bit, how would you know, right? Because you, you mentioned in the outset that this was something that took you a while to be like, I'm aware it's a problem, but damn it, leave me alone. It's not it's not that big a problem. So how how do you translate that now to your more knowledgeable self to to still be aware enough to see that, you know, there might be an issue, but is it really an issue though? Does that make sense? It does. It's almost like is this bad enough for me to go to a therapist? Or even just, like, do I need to deal with it or do I just kick it down the road a little bit? Right. And that's that's a hard question to answer because I don't, I don't know how other people think about their struggles or, or can pinpoint when that is actually occurring. But at least for me personally, I could give an example. Um, no, I'm going to be very vulnerable right now. Um, I went through like a minor surgery or procedure and through that I had to be on some painkillers and, um, stressful time at work, right? We're, we're reaching our end of fiscal year. I'm in sales. We're trying to hit numbers and get, we have conferences coming up. And so I dropped weight and knowing that I've had a, uh, disordered eating and an issue with weight drop, weight gain, I know I'm below the weight I should actually be at. But mentally, it's very hard for me to think of putting that weight back on. Still. Still. And I'm like, oh, well, that was easy. I didn't even try. And I'm this many pounds lighter. Why do I want to ruin that? But... I do know I probably don't look as good as I did to the to people that know me. And at this point, 
you know, I, I don't know how to, I've never, never had to gain weight. You know, it, 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 another tangent was like, it's easier for, for men sometimes to cut than to bulk. So it's hard where do I just start eating more? Do I, you know, just wait until I start to gain weight? Am I internally, subconsciously trying to stay at this weight and not thinking, you know, that this is something I actually have to get done? Yeah, using using like the the excuse of life to do what you wanted to do anyway, like subconsciously, right? Right. Yeah. Um. So this is you know something I'm you know struggling with right now as to is it time for me to go see someone, right? And that's that's fine. I I, I think um, even if and here's the thing. Here's the the hint of whether or not you should. If you are thinking about it and don't know, you need it. That's, <laughs> right? I, I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna try to get to that. So when in doubt, seek the help, right? Because right? again, the worst thing that you can do for yourself, and then I see I say this with as much seriousness as I can muster. Even speaking to someone when you are perfectly okay, I have never found that to hurt anyone. Right? You maybe you have to spend a little bit of money, whatever, right? Uh, you have to spend. You have to invest a little bit of time, but the person that you're speaking to, hopefully, is already a trusted resource, and that trusted resource might see blind spots that you don't currently see. They're called blind spots for a reason. Can see them, yeah. no matter how aware you are. Um, so, so I have I have this saying that I have like, um, your your beliefs are only your core beliefs when you don't think about them anymore. So the fact that you you could be conscious and aware of something probably means they're not your core belief because you don't think about it. Like it's like, we don't think about breathing air. Like fish doesn't think about being in water. It's just their environment. Right. So all that is just to say that if, if you're listening and you're not sure, like Christina said, you probably need it. So go hundred percent. Yeah. And um, for, for anyone listening that is interested in just learning more about the experience of this and how to help someone through it. If it's your child or your, your significant other, a family member, um, there's so many resources out there. I, I am not clinically, you know, certified for this. So, you know, obviously I am not the right resource, but I, I have lived through it. Um, my Instagram page talks a lot about it. I'm very open about certain scenarios, especially going into Thanksgiving. Yeah. Th- this is high anxiety time for anyone that has dealt with something like this. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to link Christina's Instagram in the show notes. Um, if you don't already follow her, she has some good content there. So make sure you follow that as well. And um, you know, if you are in doubt and you don't know the resources to seek out. I'm going to include some of them in the show notes as well. So you can at least get started in, um, in a space that is widely recommended so that you can at least explore your own solutions. So it's not, this is not meant to be like your one-stop solution shop. It's just for you to be aware that this potentially could be, and it is a problem for millions of people. Most of them, they live in silence and there's no reason why you need to suffer. And any size. Yeah. You can't see an eating disorder. 
Yeah. It, it, I've been in the fitness industry long enough. Um, and um, m- many people are shocked. I know Christina wouldn't be, but some of the most quote unquote fit and healthy looking people, they have the most need for this sort of help. And uh, I, the, the, the proportion is not even close. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and I think we're, I think society is moving away a little bit, much better than it was 10 to 20 years ago around the stigma of you don't have an eating disorder unless you look like skin and bones. Um, Because it goes, the whole spectrum of it is up to obesity. That's considered an eating disorder in in certain aspects. Um, And so just to clarify what what the spectrum is it goes from intuitive eating your your normal brain function around food is intuitive eating all the way through anorexia nervosa bulimia nervosa um, binge eating disorder um, orthorexia um, uh, that's the need to be perfect orthorexia is um, only clean and healthy eating like the need to be perfect yeah, every every ounce is weighed, and every, and you don't think of a disorder because you're eating. <laughs> um, restrictive, um, restrictive eating. It, there's there's so many types. So, I do think it's becoming a little bit more uh, known in just society itself that we don't have to be hospitalized to have an eating disorder. I appreciate you sharing your story. It's helpful. Um, and again, I, I know it's it's very hard for, for people to be vulnerable. So I really, truly appreciate you sharing and letting at least our small community know that it is something that people deal with. Like you look like one of the most fit people I've ever seen in my entire life. So if without you sharing. Well, thank you. It's because of F45. <laughs> um, Christina, was, Christina was in awesome shape before she even showed up. So. Um but in seriousness, like if you if you met Christina before, and if she wasn't open and vulnerable in sharing her story, she would be the last person you would think. Like this was something that she struggled and struggles with currently. Um, so it's important for for all of us to know that, that this is this is a condition that can be helped, and please seek the help that you need to. Um, so I appreciate you. Um, as always, I'm going to end the episode on a lighter note. I have a couple of, uh, yes, let's have some laughs. <laughs> yeah. I, ha- I have some rapid, uh, questions and answers for you, Christina. So I need just kind of like the first thing that comes to the top of your head. Some of it will be just to learn more about you. Some of it will be like probably just fun for me. Okay. Let's do it. Ready? Um, what's your favorite food? Sushi. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, Thai. <laughs> well, um, what is your favorite drink? Okay, so I love these energy fizz packets that I have as part of um, my Arbonne collection. I've gotten rid of Diet Cokes and sodas, and it is so tasty, and it has this, like, it's a, it's a healthy, like, vitamins and um, uh 
clean energy is what it is. So they're like I carry it around. They're just like packs, like stick packs of powder. So you put it. You, oh, you put it in like yes. water or whatever. Okay, cool. What is it called? Uh, they're called Energy Fizz. Okay, cool. I'll look it up. Um, what is your favorite season out of the year? Summer. I'm a, I'm, I'm a July baby. Oh, why? Why? Other than being a July baby, why do you like summer? I'm always cold. I mean, I warm up in F45 in my winter jacket, Ty. <laughs> Gee, that's that's facts. <laughs> Christina's in her winter jacket for like the first 10 minutes of class. All right, cool. And do you have a favorite TV show that you watch currently? Or a streaming service, whatever. I would say any kind of crime series. I'm big. Like I wanted to be in the I wanted to be an FBI agent. You wanted to be Oh, yes. So, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. I'm very intrigued by um, uh, serial killers and the mind and all that. So this is a uh, good segue. I just thought about this on the fly. Are you the type of person that has to binge watch a show? Like, so say it wasn't a streaming series, but you, you knew that it was going to be like 12 episodes. Do you wait until all 12 to watch or do you watch one at a time? I have never binge watched a show. Never? No, because I'm watching about four at a time. <laughs> oh, oh, so you got to flip flop. So each night yeah. I'm like, oh, it's an episode of this. I'll do an episode of this. I gotcha. All right, cool. What is your, right, this is a little bit heavy. What is your biggest pet peeve in life? Life? Yeah. Oh, man. Um. I'll give you like 10 seconds, but no more than. Um unfairness like knowing that one person can just kind of sail through life with um i want to say privilege uh and and clearly everybody has their own struggles i'm not saying like Oh, someone's life is perfect. But I think my pet peeve is knowing that someone deserves something. But for whatever reason, they haven't gotten that yet. Okay. I should have asked this in reverse order. So that's going to be a little bit weird now. But whatever. It is what it is. Do you have a nickname? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I certainly do. Oh, is it something that you wish to share? Okay. So I went to Penn State. My father also went to Penn State. And so his nickname was Butts, B-U-T-T-S. Our last name is Buttle. So I get to Penn State, and every, everyone that knew my father would call me Butts as well. So then all of a sudden it sticks, and my entire coaching staff is calling me that. I get to... Um, my first job out of school and my director at the time finds this out. Now he's calling me butts, <laughs> but it's, it was very, um, it was harmless, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a great story. Do you, do you want us to start calling you that too? I think I'll stick with Christina. Good. <laughs> I, I, it's so funny because when people call me that, I sometimes don't even respond because it's so ingrained in me that my name is Buttle. Uh, okay. okay, cool. It's like I, uncomfortable for me sometimes to hear like. 
Is it uncomfortable? Like, did, 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 did yeah. it feel very weird for you to say that right now? Christina. <laughs> cool. All right. I only have a couple of more, but these will be better. Um, what is your favorite vacation spot? Florida. Mm, any place specific? Um, I love Miami, but I grew up with um, family vacations going down to the Fort Lauderdale area, Boca Raton, where my grandparents would stay. So there's a special place in my heart for, for Florida. And it's, it's also, I, I hate long trips. So Florida, you can bang out that flight in three hours. It's like perfect. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, last question. What would you prefer, uh, a cardio workout or a strength workout? Oh, my God. Cardio every day. Um, even in college when we'd have like lift session and let's say it was – uh, bad weather outside and so we couldn't do conditioning like outside it would change to lift indoors and the whole team is like cheering and i'm like mother effer <laughs> i just oh, wanted, to you run. wanted to get your cardio away um all right cool thanks so much for playing along i always end the episode off with this um so i'll ask you a variation of this as well for people who are seeking you out for help uh, whether because they feel like they have a um, a disorder um, eating or eating disorder that they would like to seek help on. What's one piece of advice other than just going to therapy that you would want to offer this person so that they may make they make their lives a little bit better? There is something special about every every human being, and we deserve to eat without feeling guilt around it. And it's okay to fall off track a little bit. And maybe we really want that dessert or that um, that pleasure feeling we get from, from uh, comfort food. That's allowed and it's okay. And we are very hard on ourselves when it comes to that. And I would just want everyone to know that we should do what, what makes us happy. And as long as we are balancing our, our, I hate using the word diet, balancing the food that we enjoy eating, it's much better to eat what we want than to eat what we think we have to eat. Um, and I've tried to understand that myself. And so I consistently just think about how we are deserving of of the foods we want as long as it as long as it's not taken overboard perfect i will leave it um so again i'm going to make sure that um, the resources that we spoke about uh for people who want to seek some of this initial um path if you're dealing with something please find someone to speak to even if it's just a friend or a loved one that you find will be uh, receptive 
Um, Christina, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. It was very informative. And again, I appreciate you so much for sharing your story. Ladies and gents, this is another episode of the Talking Up Fitness Podcast. We will catch you in the next one. Bye.